0: Hello and welcome to Marshall Matters with me, Winston Marshall at the Spectator Building in London. Today I'm joined by Candice Owens, author of Blackout, conservat- American Conservative activist, commentator and writer and host of a show on The Daily Wire as of last year. Candice, thank you so much for joining me.
1: I'm actually very pleased to be here.
0: Yeah, it's a great pleasure. I've, i read your book during my lockdown experience <laughs> And you've been very busy. It's been a very busy couple of years for you.
1: It has. I feel like I have not stopped moving between having two children mm. and getting married and then all the projects that I've been working on. Yeah. It has been a tremendously busy couple of years.
0: I want to kind of get straight into it. You earlier in October were photographed with Kanye West. So I was. on this show, I've been exploring free speech in the creative industries. It's one of the main themes. And you were photographed with Kanye your friend, I believe, I'm not sure, or Yay, as he is now referred to, with the shirt White Lives Matter. What's the story?
1: You know, the story really is that Yay messaged me, we are friends, and he told me that he needed me to be at Paris Fashion Week. And he was a bit nebulous on the details. He just sort of said, I really, really, really need you there. And I wasn't sure if he wanted me there as a spectator, if he wanted me there to be a part of the show, but I knew that I wanted to support him. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is I believe that he is a creative genius. And actually a big piece of my story and what gave me the courage to speak out about who I am as an individual was Kanye's music growing up. As a girl who had nothing, Kanye's music really is almost 10 years into the future in terms of calling out the media and the way that they kind of created an enemy out of him as he was getting started And so I like absolutely jumped on to a plane to Paris basically and with 24 hours notice not even 24 hours notice I think it was more like six hours notice in order for me to get there on time I got there to his show and he had two shirts One was black and one was white and he said I really need you to wear this and he held it up and it said white lives matter Mm -hmm. And I instantly understood the meaning behind it. I understood what he was trying to do I understood the creative genius behind it and it it was very crucial to make such an obvious statement, right? It it really was just an obvious statement. Obviously, white lives matter. But it really offered a commentary on the Black Lives Matter movement and the lies that we have been told about Black Lives Matter as being this message of unity. We're not saying that white lives don't matter, but. And in reality, what the Black Lives Matter movement organization did was further divide people racially and also silence people. You virtually, especially in the States, were not allowed to speak if you were white, mm-hmm. you were convicted on the basis of your skin color. This wasn't about fighting racism. This was about creating racism. And so white people were being told at the same time that they needed to shut up, but also that they had to keep speaking out against racism or else guilty. It was almost a witch trial in many ways.
0: So wait, so just to understand that, does that mean that the white lives... So you say that's very clear, but I still don't fully understand. Was it a provocative shirt yes. to highlight the problems of Black Lives Matter, or was he actually saying, and were you saying, it's more specifically white lives matter? Like, is that something... Both. Both. It,
1: It was challenging the hypocrisy, right? So if it was true that, you know, black lives matter and we're not saying white lives matter... And putting on a White Lives Matter t-shirt wouldn't matter. It mm-hmm. didn't. certainly didn't matter when in the States there was this small movement that took place after Black Lives Matter called the Asian Lives Matter movement. You were allowed to put a t-shirt on that said Spanish Lives Matter. You could have said Asian Lives Matter. You could have said Italian Lives Matter. But this statement, White Lives Matter, which obviously they do, created a firestorm. Mm. Right? And White Lives
0: Matter in America has been called a hate speech or something? It's just the term itself is allegedly, they say it's a racist white supremacist uh, mantra or something.
1: Without any proof of that Mm -hmm. at all, Mm -hmm. right? For that, there's no historical connotation. It wasn't like you had Klansmen walking around wearing White Lives Matter t-shirts. They just said, this is something you're not allowed to say. Mm -hmm. And before you even say it, we're going to condemn it as a racist phrase. Mm -hmm. Well, if White Lives Matter is a racist phrase and a symbol of white nationalism, then Black Lives Matter is a racist phrase and a symbol of black nationalism. It's Mm -hmm. either both of these phrases are wrong or both of these phrases are fine. And we basically were, in my opinion, patronized by the white community with the black squares.
0: and Kanye or you black Black Americans full
1: stop Mm -hmm. patronized by people constantly having white people wearing black lives matter t-shirts and putting up black lives matter signs and your life matters i want you to know that your life matters Mm -hmm. i I get that thank you i'm not a victim i don't need you to tell Mm -hmm. me that my life matters i need to live my life according to how i you know how i view myself as an individual not according to my skin color and yet for two black people to put on a white lives matter shirt yeah. People found that to be problematic. That's hypocritical.
0: Was the movement, though, I mean, it seems like a semantic problem. So Black Lives Matter, a lot of the energy behind it was a deep unease with anti-black racism, which I'm sure you would agree to be anti, anti-black racism, but mixed up with a slogan that's quite provocative, perhaps by intent, perhaps that's why it was so successful in capturing the imagination of so many. So a lot of the energy behind Black Lives Matter, not the organization, not the, the language, but there was a genuine concern with anti-black racism in America.
1: I don't believe, I believe there was a genuine concern, but that concern was created by the media telling you to be genuinely concerned, right? Not because of facts, not because people were looking at actual data and facts and determining that, hey, look, it actually does look like black lives are suffering in America and that there's an instance of police brutality, disproportionate police brutality towards black Americans. Mm-hmm. The facts betray that narrative, right? Mm-hmm. The facts are that white men are killed more often by police officers in unarmed shooting. The facts are that black Americans overrepresent in terms of violence in the states, right? So mm-hmm. you have about six to seven percent of the population being black men that account for over 40% of all the homicides, right? So this whole concept that if black lives actually mattered, you would talk about the issue, which is black-on-black crime, not mm-hmm. police brutality. It's a, it's a made-up narrative mm-hmm. uh, to foster this resentment and this anger in society. Mm-hmm. And talking about that and saying, okay, if you really believe black lives matter, let's talk about black-on-black crime was forbidden. Mm-hmm. You can't talk about black-on-black crime. You have to pretend that we're suffering because of an institution of racism that does not exist, The feeling and the sentiment behind it was legitimate, but it was curated by the media, right? And so people felt they watched the George Floyd incident and they felt the media told them this is what happened. The media lied about that incident as well. They lied about who George Floyd was and they created this false idol in terms of George Floyd. And then everybody else just got on board, not because they were horrible people, but because they were absent the facts.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, you you say this, but your organization, Blexit, a nonprofit organization, is self-described as being to encourage minority groups and communities for advancement, I'd say. So implicit there is that some groups are behind or some groups need help. And yes. and is that a correct interpretation of Plex?
1: Yes, but it's not because of this concept of institutional racism. It's because of the decisions that we're making. So what we... What we encourage is for black Americans to stop falling for this liberal narrative, to stop falling from this idea that you're a victim in this society because of the color of your skin, and to instead see yourself as an individual to embrace free market capitalism, which we believe in, and that your individual decisions will determine your successes. Mm -hmm. That's what I believe to my core. Black Americans, because of this sort of cultural training that happens first and foremost in the education system, we are literally taught from the time that we get into school that we're victims, Mm -hmm. right? That's a plague upon the black mind. It's a plague upon any mind if you just say to someone you're never going to be able to get ahead you're actually forming an attitude and a perspective that makes it impossible to get ahead mm. right i see everything as a slight mm. right as a black american i walk outside and someone cuts me off mm. and as any other individual you go eh, it's normal What it happens people are not great all the time as a black american i go It's because I'm black. It's because I can't get ahead. Why do I even go outside, right? And instead we're saying, no, you're you're not a victim or we are all victims, right? We're victims of our own decision-making. I'm a big believer that when you believe in your own when you commit to this idea that you are a victim you very much become your own oppressor black america is oppressing itself because we have bought into this vicious narrative that we're nothing but victims Mm.
0: but that's the paradox of victimhood culture is that even if you are a victim if you take on the mentality of a victim it will make your Mm. situation worse but would you concede any ground that blacks in america experience setbacks because of the way society is structured
1: I would concede that we are definitely experiencing setbacks in the education system because of the commitment to things like critical race theory and because we are quite literally being poisoned. Brainwash is real. Black Mm -hmm. Americans are being systematically brainwashed against their own futures, and it is being helped by an ecosystem that is furthered by cultural icons and people in Hollywood that patronize us and keep telling us, look, this is because you're black, Stop telling black Americans that they can't do well in this society, and you will start to see that they do well because they're on equal footing. And I think, like I said, if you look into the data and the statistics, it supports my narrative because it's a true narrative. Black Americans in the 1950s, okay, where there was true institutionalized racism. When my grandfather grew up, you were living in a segregated society. My grandfather could not go into white places, quite literally, despite that the black Americans in 1950s under Jim Crow were outpacing white Americans in terms of economic growth, right? Mm -hmm. In every statistic, black Americans are doing worse, right? Mm -hmm. So you would never make the argument if you were, saying individual that America has become a more racist country since the era of Jim Crow. So then you have to think critically and say, what changed? Mm -hmm. What changed was culture changed? Black Americans' families used to be together. If you start to look and examine statistics between white Americans and black Americans, you will notice some disparities, right? But disparity is not discrimination. Disparities can happen because of the decisions that are being made. We are not coming from two-parent households anymore. And the implications of what happens when you come from a broken household are severe. Mm -hmm. Actually, if you examine the statistics between black American families that are together with a mother and a father and black and white American families, there's virtually no disparity. Mm -hmm. And these are the tougher conversations that people don't want to have because that it implicates that our culture is sick. Mm-hmm. Black American culture is sick and actually American culture altogether is becoming sicker every single day.
0: Do you think that this narrative is, is gaining traction? Are you, are you finding that people are, are agreeing with your narrative and, and getting behind you on this?
1: Yeah, I do. When I first got started, it was more than an uphill climb. <laughs> it was It was extreme. People had never seen a black American that not just wasn't conservative, but that had the audacity to be conservative, right? I'm not the first black American conservative. I'm definitely not the brightest one. I mean, I would tell you, Condoleezza Rice is way more accomplished than me. I think Thomas Sowell is one of the most brilliant people that I've ever read. And I will say the same about Clarence Thomas, you know, Supreme Court justice, way more brilliant than me, and way more well read than me. But these individuals, when they were smeared and libeled and told that they hated themselves and were called Uncle Toms and Coons, they didn't rise to the fight in the way that I have. Mm. And so I think that is different. People go, oh my God, we've just called you an Uncle Tom. How dare you keep saying that? Mm. And I'm sort of like, no, the gloves are off. Let's Mm. do this. And I come from a place of anger that transformed into action. So I I went through this cycle of anger when I woke up to the because I used to be a liberal and believe in my own victimhood. Mm. And when I really began to understand what was happening, because I started reading Thomas Sowell, I grew very angry. Mm. And I wanted to fight so that all black Americans could understand what I have come to understand. And I realized that that fight has to take place on the cultural battlefield, Mm -hmm. right? You gotta go after the Hollywood types Mm -hmm. because that's where black Americans are learning, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. because we come from these broken down households, we're turning to culture to dictate how we think.
0: You describe, you know, terms such as uncle Tom and other racist terms that you're getting from, let's say liberal America. Is that not a sign that America (laughs) is quite racist?
1: It is. Well, I mean, the racism that I experience typically Which people, like I said, racism exists. I've never denied that racism does exist. In fact, my argument is that racism will forever exist, Mm -hmm. right? The question is not whether or not racism exists. There's always going to be someone who hates somebody, right? Maybe you're Chinese, you hate the Japanese people. Maybe you're Indian and you hate Mexicans, right? Mm -hmm. That's never going to change. The question is whether or not racism is preventing an individual, whether it's institutionalized, whether it's preventing me from being able to do something because of the color of my skin, and yet it is helping somebody because of the color of their skin. Mm -hmm. That does not exist in America.
0: Okay, so you have made a film, The Greatest Lie Ever Told, which I think ties a lot of these things together, but I haven't seen the film. Can you tell me about it?
1: Yeah, so I had to sort of, in order to get black Americans to really understand the deception and the lies, I had to unpack one of the biggest lies of the last few years, which was the George Floyd story and the rise of BLM. The rise of BLM being it's now transformed into a $90 million organization and everyone's putting up the bumper stickers and they say, oh, well, that's just the movement's different from the organization. No, it's not. Of course, when people are feeling guilty and they want to donate and they see all these signs, they donate to Black Lives Matter, the organization. That's Mm -hmm. why it it, it has this war chest of $90 million. And it started with making people realize, and and this is the purpose of the film, that the media is your enemy. The media is deciding for you every single day who is the villain and who is the hero, Mm -hmm. right? And you're buying that narrative, believing that the media has your best interest at heart, and what the media always has at its heart is more power that they can garner from themselves. Maybe it's power to elect politicians, right? Mm And so I had to show people the other side of the George Floyd story. When the George Floyd event happened, the media narrative was open and shut. It was a racist cop. It almost, it was like a cartoon. A racist cop is patrolling the streets, sees a black man, and just starts standing on his neck wanting him to die. And this is what's happening because police are racist. Nobody ever talked about Who George Floyd was. Nobody talked about the fact that fentanyl pills were found in the police cruiser. Nobody talked about the fact that George Floyd asked to be put on the ground, that George Floyd was sitting in a police vehicle with his drug dealer. The reason that Derek Chauvin was called as backup was because he resisted arrest for eight minutes, right? And they kept saying, Hey man, please calm down. What did you did you take some drugs? Nobody talked about the fact that he said, I ate too many drugs, right? Every indication from his autopsy report indicates that he had an overdose, right? Mm. The the lethal, yeah, the of, lethal... You know,
0: that that video, who was not moved by that video of, of him being I don't killed? I
1: don't deny people being moved by videos. I actually very but, much...
0: But the police officer, it was clear that he shouldn't have had his knee on, on his neck. That's
1: a, that's a lie. That's why you should watch a documentary that it debunks. Uh-huh. People didn't even watch the trial. They just watched the media narrative. The police officer, the, the black police head... Testified that from the angle that we all saw it, which was somebody that was on the street named Darnella Frazier recording it It very much looks like the police officer is on George Floyd's neck But then which the media never showed you the other angle, which is from the police officers cameras that are on their body cameras He then testifies what about from this angle? And it shows you that the knee is actually, his knee is actually here, right under his neck on his back, which is what they learn in the police academy that they're supposed to do when they put a suspect on the ground, right? Now, if you want to have an honest debate about whether or not, once you realize that this man is very clearly having an overdose. Now, when I say having an overdose, the average person, it takes just three milliliters of fentanyl for them to have an overdose. George Floyd had 11 milliliters. It's like, it's, it's just, forget it. I had a forensic pathologist in there describing he doesn't have a, a horse in this race. He's amazed that people are not talking about the fact that he was in the car with his drug dealer. Clearly he had drugs, right? Clearly he was trying to get rid of the drugs. They found chewed up pills in the back of the police cruiser. They tried to arrest him peacefully for minutes and minutes. He starts saying, put me on the ground. He says, I can't breathe before he even gets on the ground. He demands to be put on the ground, right? Now, if you want to have a debate about whether or not the police should have discerned that he was having an overdose and maybe they should have let him lay on his back and breathe. I'm happy to have that debate. Mm. But I, can... I would say that, absolutely. Fine. And, also... and that it would be a totally sensible debate to have, right? Totally sensible debate. Like, listen, I don't care how you're supposed to hold this person. You realize that this person is saying he can't breathe. You're, you're realizing that he maybe did ingest some drugs. What is the right thing to do, right?
0: No. The wrong thing to do is put your knee on the back of his But
1: how leg. are they to know that he ingested the drugs? We've become a society that is so critical of police officers not realizing what happens in a second, right? You get a call. There's a guy sitting in a crew. You don't know, but he's with his drug dealer. You don't know what he's doing. If you watch the full tape, not the nine minutes, but the full tape, they're going, hey, man, what are you doing? Why are you acting so erratic? What's going on, man? He's like, no, no, no. I don't want to go into the police car. I'm claustrophobic. Mm -hmm. I'm claustrophobic. Put me on the ground, right? Put me on the ground. And he's saying he's claustrophobic, but they arrived on the scene and he was sitting in his car. Mm -hmm. By the way, which my documentary also shows, He was previously arrested just a couple of months before, and the same exact circumstance happened. Drugs were found in his vehicle, he's trying to get rid of them last second. I mean, this is a story, and I told it with tremendous compassion to George Floyd because I believe that he was a drug addict. I sat down with his roommates, I spoke to him, and drug addiction is hard. I don't know any person who doesn't have a family member that is going through drug addiction, Mm. right? We are facing a drug crisis all across the world. Mm. This should have been a story that brought people together. The idea that Derek Chauvin arrived there and did this because he was a black man is completely outrageous. He never called him an, a, the N-word or mm. anything that was racist to him, right?
0: Well, I guess what's so shocking to a British viewers is, is that in this country, even regardless of race, is are holding someone down like that. It doesn't happen.
1: They're literally trained to do it. So if you wanted to, be, again, mm. again, totally yeah. different debate of whether or not they should be allowed to do this. But keep in mind, George Floyd is 6'7". Okay, he's huge. I mean his roommate's describing how huge he is. You have somebody that is six seven, pretend you're a police officer, right? Who's got a who has a violent record. Not just like a record, a violent record. George Floyd, notorious who went to prison for five years. He went to prison more than that, but the big one that he had recently been released from prison for was for putting a gun to a woman's breaking into her house, pretending to be the Water Department, searching, ransacking her home for drugs, and putting a gun to her abdomen. You know while her child watched mm. this is a violent criminal so it's so easy for us to sit here and say well you know we just think that here in the uk police officers should be nice it is life or death every single time you are a police officer, right? Well, the, and the, you are- the
0: notable difference is that there's guns in your country and there isn't guns really over here in this country. So there's a lot more pressure on police to deal in those situations.
1: Yeah, well, anyway, so you're thinking maybe, are you so, saying that so George the, Floyd the, could have had a gun?
0: Well, no, but I'm saying that the training of police will be very different in your country than it would be in my
1: country. Well, opinion. full stop, there has to—he there wasn't a gun used on George Floyd, so that's mm. not even a part of this debate. There was no gun used on him. He wasn't beat. to, mm. but There was no gun used on him at all. They just were trying to arrest him someone with a a tremendously violent record right a drug addict who was six seven right to even be able if george floyd wanted to fight them he could have overcome them that's the truth he's six seven and he is in fact a violent criminal now that doesn't it's it's sad that he died there's no question to me no matter what when somebody dies it's very sad but we need to tether ourselves to having a realistic discussion if you want to debate whether or not police should ever have a right to put their knee on the top of someone's back right we can have that debate But what we should not be doing is pretending that this was about race. What we should not be doing is not acknowledging the fact that George Floyd would have made it to the police officers, their compounds, completely safely had he complied, right? He asked to be taken out of the car when they were trying to peaceably arrest him. He was acting erratic. They didn't know that he had consumed drugs. They They have no way to determine that. And so you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. would have, could have, should have, now with all of the knowledge and the facts that we know now, but the majority of people still don't know all the facts, and that was the purpose of my documentary. Let's have a real honest conversation about this story, which shocked the world, absent very little facts about who this person was and how they got there.
0: Mm. Does the film go, is it specifically about floyd or does it go into the blm organization as well both so i wanted what to tell i wanted about?
1: to tell george floyd's story because after meeting his roommates i felt tremendous compassion for him and for his struggles as a drug addict and then i wanted to tell derek chauvin's story because after realizing that the media just told you he was a racist on a sliver of facts behind that and this man is now spending 23 hours a day in a top security prison How does anybody feel okay about that? It boggles my mind. There are two victims in my mind in the story. And then I wanted to move on to talk about that this narrative, which we were all lied to about, inflated an organization that purported to be about black lives mattering. I went into the finances.
0: Yeah, what did you find?
1: (laughs) What I found was that millions and millions of dollars are going to trans organizations.
0: Hmm. What kind of organizations?
1: Quite literally, trans organizations. Like, we focus on providing trans houses. One was, we are focused on building the first ever fully transgendered district in San Francisco. We are focused on, they're all buying houses and building districts, I'll say that. It's Mm -hmm. a lot of real estate. We are focused on providing a oasis for transgendered people in Ohio, Mm. right? House of Gigi, House of Tulip, a transgender district. We are focused on sex workers, all sex workers. How does any of this go to furthering black lives, right? We found that 30 plus million dollars went to the stock market. I thought this was about tearing down the institutions of white supremacy. And so it was important then to show people that your emotions were guided. You donated to this organization and let's see how Black Lives have been helped. Let's actually go back to where this all started in Minneapolis. The crime rate's up over 60%. It's a completely destitute town. The people are going, what just happened? No money has been given. Nobody even paid George Floyd's rent. The background that happened, because he died and his car is rotting in the driveway, his family members, who were given millions of dollars, didn't even go to collect his belongings. His roommates told me they had no relationship with George Floyd. He had lived with him for four to five years, and they had never met a single brother, cousin, daughter, friend, nothing. He was a drug addict that was moved to Minnesota after he came out of prison. And we were supposed to believe that we needed to feel bad for his family members who didn't even have the inkling to go collect his belongings. There are a lot of questions here.
0: Can I ask about the the BLM? I'm curious here because the BLM, the organization, as in America, over here in Britain, got huge support in that time in the music industry where I was working. If you didn't post a black square on your social media, they came after you. In fact the band Hanson, you might remember Mm -hmm. the song Umba Umba who Hmm. didn't exist. Because they didn't exist, they didn't post anything on their social media. Their fans came after them for not putting a black square and so then had to issue an, an apology, even though they did not exist, for <laughs> not putting up a black square. And then BLM became the de facto charity to donate to. Yep. And so where did that money go? You've, you've described some of it. I, am I right in remembering it was $90 million? $90 was million. Dollars. The
1: majority of going to the stock market, transgender organizations, million dollar homes bought for the owners who... Patrice Cullors is one of the founders of Black Lives Matter. Mm. She married a trans person. That person then was received $8 million to her charity in Canada, purchased more real estate. It's like a real estate empire mm. almost. Nothing. And who's h-
0: holding these people to account? Me. You are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And,
1: the, and the truth is that everybody was duped and lied to. And so I do want to have compassion for individuals who gave to this. And I want to have compassion for people who stepped into this psychosis. There are a lot of media-driven psychoses, full stop, right? COVID was a media-driven psychosis, right? Mm. Just after BLM came COVID, or or the same time. And I have compassion for individuals, because when you listen... Your
0: instincts are to, you want to help. Right, I feel sad. You see injustice, and you're sad, and you you want to do... Yeah, yeah, because
1: it's propaganda, right? For some reason, people are able to understand propaganda when you examine Germany in the 1930s. They can, if you're reading about it, a different time, oh, we'll never let that ha- It's happening to the West right now, right? The media is furthering divide. They are furthering these various psychoses, and people are becoming, you know, I, and I hate to use the term Nazi-like because people, it's, it's so overused, but they are becoming like the brown shirts Post a black square or we're gonna kill you, you know? what I mean, it's the sentiment. Post a black square or you're this, they're showing up and they're take, stripping away people's entire livelihoods because the media has driven them into a psychosis and they have no facts, they have no data, all they have is emotion. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they have no facts and no data is because they're not even being trained to think critically. A part of the ecosystem is an education system which is now training people, like what I said earlier, to just react emotionally, mm-hmm. right? To just believe you're a victim because you're black, right? And then now to go attack someone because they didn't post a black square Mm. this is psychotic Mm. this is quite literally psychotic and it's difficult for me to try to toe the line between feeling compassion for their psychosis and then being angry about their psychosis how dare you ruin someone's life and livelihood because Mm. you're an idiot Mm. right because you're a prop you know you're propagandized idiot
0: i mean to, to an extent so i was certainly affected by the video of floyd i would say murder but you probably would dispute that but When it came to BLM, they were so explicitly anti-family, anti-capitalist, anti-the nuclear family, to be more specific. And they were in a Marxist organization that I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. How are we going straight to this? Are there other organizations that you think are worthy of support?
1: Every media-driven psychosis, just to be clear, is all about destroying the family. I mean, COVID, what was that? If you see your grandmother, you're a killer. If you want to hang out with your friends and family, you're a killer. It's it's, it's creating this this loneliness, right? Of this individual feeling like it's not good to aspire to family. The entire LBGTQ million letters being tacked onto it every day is anti-family, right? You know How that, is that anti-family. Anti- what what happens when a child takes a drug like Lupron, which is used to to sexually castrate pedophiles, right? is that they become sexually castrated, right? Mm. These people go on and they cannot have productive sexual relations or productive relationships. A bunch of formerly trans people are speaking out about that, what this drug has done to their body. They're not gonna go on to have productive families, right? They're not going to be able to go on and have productive families because they're ruining their parts before they even become adults, Mm. right? So it's actually, and this is very important, it is the common theme in all of the left's extreme positions, even the Green New Deal climate change lobby, which people go, I like the environment. Of course I like the environment. I want the environment to stay healthy. Mm. What you are seeing with this Greta Thunberg push is not about people that are just want the environment to be healthy. What you're seeing when people are throwing you know, tomato soup on a Van Gogh painting, mm. It's a watermelon. It's green on the outside. It's communist on the inside, right? And you can see this when you start to realize that at the same time, they're encouraging kids in the classroom in the United States, at the very least. I don't know about here. The politicians that support the Green New Deal, like AOC overseas, and you know the language of people like Greta Thunberg and people like Harry and Meghan, who recently received an award for their commitment to climate change, is that they are receiving an award because they're committing to not having big families. Mm-hmm. They got they literally... Prince Harry and Meghan received an award for agreeing to only have two children. The kids in our classrooms in the United States are being told that it would be bad for the planet. It is a wrong thing. The future is already ruined. How selfish of you to have a family. That anti-family messaging, is that Marxist belief, Mm. is what they're hiding. That's what's at the root of everything that you're seeing. Do you think
0: that anti-natalist, anti-family is... Conscious or subconscious? Do they? Do you think they really know what they're no. doing, or do you think they've been marinated Correct. in a philosophy and they don't really no. understand what they're? That's how they're
1: propaganda doing? works, and they never understand it. They don't. I do not believe that people that donated to Black Lives Matter wanted to donate to trans organizations. I don't believe that. No, they were f- impacted emotionally. I don't believe that the kids that are skipping school and saying the planet's going to be over in 10 years are doing that and, and agreeing I'm not going to have kids because it's irresponsible are doing that because they're anti-family. They're not connecting the dots. It's very important that people have the courage to connect the dots. It's what I do full time because where we land upon is going to be the determination for my children. I've now got kids, right? Mm-hmm. I've, got, I've got some real skin in this game. in this game. And you have a bunch of adults that are too scared to speak up because despite the fact that I do believe they represent a radical minority, they do own the airwaves, right? They are a majority when you're talking about the Hollywood types. And they are dominant in the sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. And so it's incumbent upon the majority, my belief is that we are the majority, to stop being silent and to have the courage to say things.
0: Mm-hmm. So how do we, what do we say to encourage people to have children, people to have families? What? How do we do that?
1: You say it just like that. Huh. We're doing it right now, right? Having the courage to talk about where that money went. which People mm. now are too shy to admit they were wrong because they become so radicalized by the media and so angry and so committed that it's quite embarrassing, right? It's quite embarrassing to say, oh, well, uh, it turns out, you know, Black Lives Matter was a scam organization. And in fact, you see they start to slowly backpedal and they say, oh, well, I I never cared about the organization. It was about the movement. Mm. That's cowardice, okay? That is cowardice. The movement was the marketing firm for the organization. Admit you are wrong. Take down your signs. If you want to actually help black Americans, stop looking at us like we're children, okay? Tell us that we have to be just like every other person in society, which is that how you behave and how you perform will dictate your futures, Mm -hmm. okay? If you commit to a life of crime, if you believe that these black kids that you see looting and rioting targets, right, are doing this in the name of racism and not because they're getting free flat screen TVs, you are furthering the problem, Mm. Crime is crime. doesn't matter who commits it. Mm.
0: Candice, can I go back to Kanye West? Because we've flowed on, so I, I went with it. But I, I want to ask about Kanye, or Ye, because after the White Lives Matter shirts that you were photographed with in Paris, he's since then been banned across social media for a series of what I would call anti-Semitic tweets. If I may read one, mm-hmm. um, this is one tweet that had got him suspended from Twitter, which is I'm a bit sleepy tonight, but when I wake up I'm going DEF CON three on Jewish people. The funny thing is I actually can't be anti Semitic because black people are actually Jew. Also, you guys have toyed with me and tried to blackball anyone whoever opposes your agenda. And then he said of Adidas again in October, I can say anti-Semitic things and Adidas can't drop me, but Adidas have now gone and dropped him, which is worth four to eight percent of Adidas's business, but it's actually worth one and a half billion dollars to yay. Yeah, so this is a major thing. J.P. Morgan, although they claim this was before the anti-Semitism stuff, have dropped, stopped doing business with him. Balenciaga have stopped doing business with him. A production company called MRC have shelved a documentary about him. Creative artist agencies have dropped him. Gap have closed the Easy Online store. And you have on your podcast carefully saying that you weren't defending him, but it didn't sound like a criticism saying that, that he's not anti-Semitic, mm-hmm. that the, the tweet inspired questions. And so I wanted to ask you on that, how is that sentence, I'm a bit sleepy tonight, but when I wake up, I'm going DEFCON 3 on Jewish people. How is that not anti-Semitic?
1: I'm glad that you asked that question. And I think that it's important to impress upon people the timeline of when I responded to what he tweeted. I mm-hmm. responded to what he tweeted. People now are like, well, you," he said this after the tweet, blah, blah, blah. When I did my podcast, I was responding to specifically that tweet. Mm-hmm. And what I said, and which I stand by, is that the tweet is incoherent. I don't know what Death CON 3 means, mm-hmm. right? I know what DEF CON 3 is, which is a defense military strategy. I don't know what he's saying, we should ask him. People were asking me to say what he meant by this. Mm-hmm. And you know, I am in a situation where I know Kanye personally, and I know that all of his best friends are Jewish. I met Kanye through a Jewish person, right? Mm-hmm. His Jewish his Jewish best friend reached out, said, yeah, he would like to meet you. And he's still friends with all of these people. So it's, for me, you have to understand, when I see that tweet, the first thing I think is, what are we even talking about? I'm, I'm texting with his Jewish friends. There's no, there's so, so for me to jump in, into the midst of what was said and to say he's anti-Semitic, that doesn't register as something that would make sense, right, to me. Mm-hmm. I'm confused. I said that, this is confusing to me. Since he's tweeted that, and and by the way, the headlines after that was that he calls for the death to all Jewish people. I thought that was quite hysterical. I don't believe that Kanye West wants all Jewish people to be dead. And that seemed to me like not a measured response, if you will. Mm. And by the way, I'm consistent on this.
0: I agree with you. He, yeah. he didn't, but, but I guess people was- were
1: so angry that I said that I don't think he wants all Jewish people to be dead. This tweet seems incoherent to me. Let's wait and let him describe it was mm. essentially my well, statement. We've waited. No, I know, and, I know. And he's
0: gone on the Lex Fridman right, podcast right. and he's
1: I just want to provide that context of like me responding to just that tweet, right? So Mm -hmm. now people are saying, well, we said all this now. I'm like, okay, but when I said... I don't know what this means. I literally didn't know what it meant. And he then clarified that he did not mean to write the word death. He's clarified it about four times now. He did mean to write death, con three. And he was saying that he was going on the defensive because he felt that he was being attacked by Jewish people in his life. So he has clarified that tweet, which is what I essentially said. Give him the opportunity to clarify this incoherent tweet. And people took this as like, oh my gosh, how dare you? Mm -hmm. And so So I just wanted to clarify that.
0: So now that you've clarified it. Mm -hmm would you say that it is an anti-Semitic sentence? defcon Con 3? I'm not saying... No, no. Now that he's clarified and said he meant defcon Con 3, yeah. mm-hmm. would you accept that that is an anti-Semitic sentence?
1: Well, I, I think defcon Con 3 is a defensive position, and he said that he felt that he was under attack by Jewish people in his life. So, you know, I understand why there are people that feel personally attacked because he's looping in all Jewish people and they don't really know what's going on in his personal life and why he said that. And I have to, again, state that I am colored by the fact that I know what led to the moment of him kind of saying this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I wish that he would be more explicit in talking about what he's going through personally, mm-hmm. because I think that it would help people It wouldn't justify what he says, but it would help people understand where he's coming from. Because I think for a lot of people, it felt like a shock attack on the entire faith of Judaism, right? It was just like, you're saying that all Jewish people are like this. You're saying that all Jewish people are this, all Jewish people are that. And I do know that he went on Piers Morgan, and he said, I apologize for saying this. I realize that hurt people hurt people, and I have felt hurt. Mm. But for whatever reason, him saying that doesn't make the same impact. You know, him saying sorry doesn't make the same impact as him having said you know, the initial tweet and people are still pretending that he meant death to all Jews, which I don't think is fair. You know, we have to decide whether or not we are a society that believes in forgiveness and believes in apologies or for a society that just says, here's who you are for life and we want you cancelled and we never want to see you again.
0: I believe in forgiveness and I didn't realize he'd apologized and I believe it's important to to forgive. But I guess that's not exactly my question because he went on, on to the Lex Friedman podcast. And, I, I didn't see said, this. And he parented some more tropes about Jewish record labels being somehow behind abortions of, of blacks in America. And, uh, the Jewish the, record he, labels? Yeah. Being behind? Abortion of blacks in America. Okay. It's, it's not totally coherent, mm-hmm. but um, it fits those tropes, those ancient tropes about Jews, referring to the Jewish media. And he was banned on Instagram for a conversation with Diddy, about it saying, Jewish people told you to call me. These are tropes. Now, I'm not saying... I don't know what's going on inside mm. Kanye's heart, inside his mind. I'm a huge fan, like you are, of his music. And he said some brilliant things as well, I happen to think. But I don't have any trouble in saying that those are anti-Semitic tropes. What the intention is behind them yeah. it is easy enough to to identify those. But you d- you don't feel so comfortable... Well, I, I don't man. I
1: don't feel so comfortable with people seeing that he's been condemned by every single person in the world, he's lost basically everything he has, and they're not satisfied because they need to see his friends hurt him publicly. Mm-hmm. I'm his friend, and I've asked people to recognize that I am his friend, and to realize that it's quite sadistic to then say, we know Adidas has dropped him, Gap has dropped him, here's a list of everybody dropped him, everybody has condemned him in the entire world, every celebrity has come down on him, but we need you, Candace, his personal friend, to also say bad things about him on the airwaves. I think that's, it's quite cruel now, right? But you, and, you, can,
0: you can say loving things about him and but say, but But I could but also things, say, you can, could you can...
1: respect that I don't feel comfortable talking about my friend? Sure. And I hope, I wish that we could live in a where People would go, that totally makes sense because it's a bizarre thing to ask people to harm their friends in public, you know? Whether or not you are asking me if I agree that... Jewish people are controlling my every action. No, I don't agree with that, obviously. I don't agree with that sentiment, right?
0: But don't you, I don't think Kanye would be offended if you say you disagreed with him on something.
1: I've been very, I've been, well, first off, you're talking about the Lex Friedman stuff. I haven't even watched Uh the podcast, so I can't respond to something that I haven't seen, but so I'm listening to you paraphrase what he said. I can watch it. If you give me an exact sentence, I can tell you whether or not I agree with that. If you're saying Jewish people cause abortions, that doesn't make any sense to me. So I, I don't agree that Jewish people cause all of the abortions. You know what I mean? It's incoherent to me, but you know, I do ask for people to just exercise a little bit of grace and to recognize that it's a real friendship and that it's, it's not normal to not be satisfied by the fact that he's already been basically wiped off of the face of the planet virtually mm-hmm. by every organization. Like he's basically been told he's not allowed to exist right now. And there is a part of this that does feel a bit sadistic to me. That it's like, that's not enough. Mm. We need you, his friend... To say that he is this or he is that.
0: Oh no, no, I'm not saying that you should say he is this or he is that. I'm only suggesting that. Ask me my say-
1: opinions about Jewish people. I'm happy to open openly talk about it. I, th- I think I would hope my record speaks for itself. I mean, how many times have I spoken at the JCC? I was there for the Israel opening in you know in in Jerusalem. So it's you know this idea that, well, if you don't okay. say this exactly the way that we want it to, then you are also anti-Semitic is. Completely unfair and it's it's wrong, quite frankly, you know? And it's, it's, as I said, very bizarre that people think that you get to just paint me with your personal feelings about Yay West. We're two different individuals. I'm not, I'm not married to him. I have a husband. You know, it's like, why do I have to, why do you need Candace Owens? What more do you want? You've got Adidas, you've got Gap, you've got Yeezy, you've got every store, every airway banning him. Why do you need Candace Owens, like personally, to say something horrible about him?
0: Well, I understand that you would have been getting a lot of pushback. And the, the reason I've asked you yeah. is because I saw you on your podcast taking his defense. So, But I didn't take his defense. And right, I actually sure. quite
1: literally said, this is not a defense. Mm-hmm. But this tweet, Deathcon 3, is incoherent. And yet people were angry that I said that. And you admit, I mean, what is Deathcon 3?
0: Well, you have to explain to me, it's an American term. Oh,
1: DEFCON 3. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I was saying. I was like, did he mean DEFCON 3? The DEFCON 3 is incoherent, right? And he said he typoed, and he meant to write DEFCON 3, and DEFCON 3 is a defensive position. So if you say you're going to go DEFCON 3 on someone, you're saying... No, on
0: someone, on a whole race of people.
1: Yeah, no, I know. But what I'm saying is that I was responding to the headlines that he calls for the death of all Jewish people. That's why I say it's really important to oh, hammer still, out the Defcon timeline.
0: 3 still... That is still an aggressive statement to make about the race of people. Yeah, it's
1: it's it's aggressive, one hundred percent. But yeah. what I'm saying is that what I how I've been taken out of context is when I said on my podcast, following that tweet, and I still will say this a thousand times, Kanye West does not want all Jewish people to be dead. I stand by what I said on my podcast, right? It is completely ridiculous to think that he was calling for the death of all Jews, right? I have been very measured in my responses every time there's been somebody that is hyperbolic. I remember a few months ago or at the end of last year they were saying Gal Gadot the Israeli actress wants the death of all Palestinians that's dramatic okay she's pro-Israel I remember they then flipped that and said that Bella Hadid wanted every single Jewish person to be wiped out that seems dramatic we should be measured in our responses, I believe that. I do not believe, irrespective of people that he is angry at, that are in his inner circle, who happen to be Jewish, right? That they're not all Jewish people, it's you know, painting a broad brush, which we shouldn't be doing ever. And I think that he should call those people out by name because I think that it would provide more clarity as opposed to making it seem like it's every Jewish person that you ever deal with. Mm. And I've said that. I've said that on my podcast. There is probably more clarity that needs to be provided here. And well, he
0: shouldn't even mention that they're Jewish. he just call out individuals he has a problem with. regardless what race or Fair. ethnicity they are. But Kanye is pushing back against his cancellation and is, I believe, buying a estate in parlor social media, mm-hmm. which is the uncancelable social media, or so Ye says. <laughs> is that something to be excited about?
1: I think it's exciting in general that he's the first black person to ever own a social media company. That could mm. be the headline. Instead it's Kanye West this, Kanye, Kanye West that, and he's this, he's that. And I think that it's exciting that the markets are breaking a bit and that there's more than one option in general. I mean, that's a kind of a, a larger way to answer the question. I think it's great that Elon Musk is taking over Twitter. I think it's great that you know Donald Trump started his own organization. I think we have all felt that on Twitter. I mean, my account got locked because I said that we need to talk about transgenderism as a mental illness. Is it fair that my account got locked and yet people can throw the n-word at me every second my account got locked for two months the double standards are insane yeah and so i think it's great that we're diversifying and uh, having more platforms and more options full stop irrespective of whether it's yay or somebody else
0: so you've in your book and across your work you've spoken about the problem of big tech and and media propaganda do you think that the social media industry can be disrupted do you do you think this is an achievable to create an uncastable social media that can compete with your Instagrams, your Twitters?
1: I do. And I think that before, perhaps we didn't realize that we needed to compete in that regard because we just thought, okay, it's a platform and everybody should be allowed on it, which tends to be my perspective. I don't, by the way, believe that the answer to hate speech is censorship. I think the answer to Hate speech is love speech. I think if you if you believe that somebody is saying something that is hateful, you should debunk them point by point on what they're saying, right? Mm-hmm. And like, if, if you believe that the Jewish people don't control the media, why are you censoring it? Give them a platform and say, let me show you why you're wrong, right? That's my personal opinion. It's like, it doesn't make hate go away to censor it. Actually, what ends up happening- yeah,
0: If you don't believe, say that sentence again. Like you. if
1: so, if, if we sit here and we say, what Kanye West said was completely crazy and wrong, right? the Jewish people don't control the media. Yeah, You don't prove that by censoring him. You prove that by actually allowing him to say it, sitting across from somebody and having them debunk it point by point right, right. and okay. saying, uh, no, actually Fox News is owned by Rupert Murdoch and he's not a Jewish person, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. For some reason we've gotten into this weird space where people believe that if you just censor it, it goes away. Actually what happens is it makes it bigger, uh-huh. right? What make, yes. It makes it bigger. So now you have people that are saying, they just proved yes, point. Mm. Right? And now these are the things people, they just proved this point. And it's like, no guys, this is why it's important to if, conquer speech that we believe is wrong with more speech. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, it is my hope that people start to see that all across society that censorship is not a strategy. It's, mm. it's actually, if something is wrong, prove it to be wrong so mm. that we can, as a society, move forward. Yeah. I and agree I, with
0: that. Truth doesn't need censorship, censorship. to defend it. So it doesn't. Know.
1: And for some reason, people have this category of hate speech where it's like, you just censor it. And in my honest opinion it creates more hate because people get angry and frustrated
0: do you have a personal line on on what speech is not acceptable so for example in this country if you incite violence it's illegal are you a free speech absolutist it's absolutely okay to say anything or do you have your own lines on that
1: i if you gave me a personal I mean, if you gave me a scenario where i might draw a limit i'd be interested to find it uh, okay <laughs> you know I, I believe that free speech is 1a i'm very 1a but almost i'm a free speech absolutist yeah, yeah. Okay. well you might come up with some scenario, I'd be like, you know what? But by the way, speech has consequences. You know what I yeah. mean? It has consequences. It clearly has had consequences for gay. Exactly. And I have said, you know, if Adidas wants to drop him, that is well from their right to their company.
0: Yeah. So freedom of association, you feel that's your totally acceptable response to Kanye. You don't think you have a, you no, don't have a problem with that? They, they're a private that. company. Uh-huh.
1: I mean, at my company, I would drop someone if they told me that they believed in trans children and the surgeries are forming on them. I'd drop them in a heartbeat. That's my line. It's my company. Yeah, it's my company. If somebody said that, you know, we're going to use this platform to talk about why children should be, you know, I work for you, but I'm going to have my child go through. I I would drop them. It's it's for me. It's a it's a morality thing. But I'm not saying that you shouldn't be able to get another job. Mm. Go align yourself with whoever you know you want to align yourself with. Mm. You know, and so yeah, I think that it can come out of consequence and. You know, that's within... That Adidas as well within their right mm. to stop association with whomever they want for whatever reason.
0: So the last thing I want to ask you about is the future of America. You are a conservative activist and, and commentator. Are you hopeful for the conservatives, for the Republicans? Will Trump come back at the next election? If he does, would you support him? What do we need to know?
1: So... I'm very positive I do believe that conservatives are winning and one of the litmus tests for that is the fact that they're using fact checkers now for everything we say the, the one of the litmus tests is that they're demanding censorship always like I said for me talking about the trans stuff they just ban it you know i have lot to discuss it I believe that censorship is only necessary when you're losing the narrative, and I think that the left had a stranglehold on the narrative But because people like me have broken through and other conservatives, people on the Daily Wire platform, Matt Walsh talking about the trans kids and stuff, and we've garnered such a following, they're realizing, wait a second, we no longer have a stranglehold in the conversation, and they're becoming more desperate, and they're starting to think that they can just censor it and make it go away, going back to my point of why it doesn't work. We need good ideas to conquer bad ideas. And so I always say to people, be encouraged by that. I, I sense a desperation in the media. We have, you know, CNN is our far left network, and they're saying we must, you know, ban all conservatives, I and mean, we we need to have more far fact left. checkers. Left, mm, I left. think far left. I far don't. Left, they're know, not communists. I know,
0: um, What do you mean? A CNN Marxist communist? They're definitely Extreme Marxists. left.
1: Yeah, they're definitely yeah. Marxist without question. I mean, like the, the principles. If you read Karl Marx about being anti-family and why it was against the state what they are trying to do in every regard is to grow up a state right mm-hmm. the state will deal with climate change the state will deal with you if you need to have pills for the rest of your life because you're trans the state will deal with COVID. you just stay at home and lock yourself down it's marxism you know what i mean it's it's belief in the state as a higher power and they mock christians on air they mock christians so yeah i believe they're marxist at cnn 100 i stand by that and that's why i like to differentiate between the left and the far left because not necessarily everybody watching cnn is a marxist right and i think that some of them are just have not yet fallen out of love with what it used to mean to be on be a democrat you know you grew up in a time like i said where it was much more normal and like when i was growing up it just wasn't this radical i was a liberal i was friends with republicans and all of that was perfectly fine but we're now in an entirely different circumstance so i do think that CNN has leaned into full Marxism.
0: You do, you do think they have gone into full Marxism. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I've yet to see evidence of that, but I think it's possible to, you know, to have some ideas that are, are, align with Marxism. But, but anyway, back to Trump. Do you think he'll run again? What? And what does that mean for America if he does?
1: I do think that he'll run again. I hope he runs again, because I think there's a lot of, you know, fundraising that's being done, maybe not directly with his campaign, but people believing that he's going to run again. I think it would be sort of like, "Mm, why didn't you run, you know, instead of just teasing it for years. And uh, I think that we'll have to see, you know, I have always said I'm committed to truth, whatever that truth is. Mm. Obviously, I was very vocal in my support for Trump, but I'm not just Oh my gosh, worship Trump. I'm going to vote for him automatically if he runs. Who are the candidates running against him? Yeah. Well, are, I, are there
0: any politicians you are excited about?
1: There's, I mean, like new politicians that have kind of, I, I really like Kristi Noem in North Dakota. I love somebody who's not known at all, but he's a congressman, Thomas Massey. If he ran for president, like goodbye. I'm like, I'd vote for him a million times. He's a, just a, a congressman from Kentucky that has every single value and belief that, and he stands by his principles. Obviously DeSantis, I think he has really risen to the challenge. He mm-hmm. wasn't as good on his feet when he was running for governor, but I think what he did in COVID, during COVID, was heroic. I think he he put an end to COVID because of his state saying no more, and then it kind of pressured all of the other states to do something about that. And he's he's measured. You know, he's quite measured, and I think his team, the team around him is great. So there's a lot of people that I'm very excited about, and when I know everyone who's running, I'll be able to make a more measured You know, conclusion about who I'm going to vote for.
0: Well, I look forward at that time to speaking with you. And are you optimistic or pessimistic about the future of America?
1: I'm optimistic. I think, you know, we are having a clash of the titans in many ways, but I think we're winning. So there's nothing not to be optimistic about. If I wasn't optimistic, I wouldn't get out of bed. I'd be depressed. Mm.
0: Candace Owens, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure speaking with you.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.